Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and tips from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or relationships to just living better and with more energy, or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts, and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Let's go. Hey, you're on air with Ella, and this is going to be a fun show with Doree McAlpin. Doree, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Ella. I'm excited to join you today. Doree, I have never had anyone with your expertise. Well, first of all, you have like 85 expertises, but I've never had anyone who does what you do on the air before. So would you very kindly explain to us who you are, what you're about, and maybe a little bit about what you do? Oh, yes. Yes. And thank you for asking. So I am uh, a former journalist by training. I used to be a member of the press, started my career working for ABC in the Philadelphia market. And then I went to law school. And after getting out of law school, I worked in the courts in a variety of different areas, criminal law, civil law, family law. And I decided that it would be beneficial, especially since when you work in the media, you have an opportunity to see life unedited. You get to see things behind the scenes from the media, bias, issues, unfiltered, life unfiltered. And after working in courts, I decided to combine my media background and my legal background into a profession. At the time, I didn't know that it would shape itself to evolve into me becoming a crisis management expert. But that's actually what I do for a living. I am a crisis management expert labeled as the crisis concierge because people come to me for advice on everything. And I help people, companies, and organizations face some of the most difficult challenges they have faced in life and help them navigate that while at the same time helping provide advice on how to protect your reputation. So corporations hire me, law firms, individuals, high profile figures, athletes, and celebrities worked with me to address some of the biggest challenges that um, impact them either in a court of law or the court of public opinion. And if you know social media, you know that the court of public opinion is always going. Doree, I bet you have some stories. <laughs> Plenty of those. Yes. Most I can't talk about, but I'll, you know, I can we weave a few war stories in here and there. What's so funny is I reached out to my network, which includes Duri, and I, I said I was I really wanted to talk to somebody about second half career transition. So we are definitely going to be talking today about building a high quality network, like what steps to actually take if you're making a career pivot or you're starting something new or you're trying to reinvent yourself in some way or just, um, hey, maybe you're trying to get back into the workforce after stepping out of it for 18 years. We don't know. But that is why I wanted Daria to come on. But I said to Daria, so would you be willing to just humor my curiosity for a few minutes and talk to me about crisis management? I find the Art of Discrete Crisis Concierge Services. Very intriguing, Dari. Well, it's fun to work behind the scenes, which is where you know I'm, I'm very comfortable working behind the scenes, providing guidance. I like to help people. And it really, at the end of the day, comes down to helping people see things in an objective way, providing a different view, and just serving as a subject matter expert. You just never know your passion or destiny. And when you're exposed to different things, 
I was exposed to opportunities in the communications field, public relations, working in TV news. And that really opens your eyes to different experiences, to different opportunities. So I've always just kept my eyes open for opportunities and learning opportunities. Well, not everyone joining this conversation with us today, Dari, will have a public PR crisis that may or may not be in their world. And I'm I'm hoping not. But I do think, Dari, a lot of people might expect in their lifetime that they or a close family member will deal with something that feels like a crisis that may involve the court of public opinion and may or may not have some reputation management or perhaps, I don't know, anyone engaging in social media ever at any time might feel like they are vulnerable to uh, some of the risks that you actually help mitigate. Dari, what do you wish everyone knew about managing their personal brand to their corporate one? Well, I think the one important factor, especially since so many of us are on our phones, don't have the patience to do research, to look at the credibility of sources when they receive information. They take things at face value, which is very unfortunate. And then people are very also very opinionated, right? They are quick to judge other people, putting out comments also feeling that they can't be themselves, you know, they're over filtered. Sometimes I see pictures of people, I don't even recognize them because there's so many filters. I'm like, I, the last time I saw the person, they were 20 pounds heavier and their face is shaped differently. I've never understood that. Like, why would I want you to meet me and then be like, are you Ella's older sister? Like, why would I set myself up for that? I just don't understand it. It just makes no sense. So there's there's such pressure now for people to think that they have to fit into this image. I wish that people felt more comfortable being more authentic and intentional and thought of other people before um, making judgments. The one thing, here's the one thing I wish people knew. Social media is not real. And when I say social media is not real, it means that what you see on social media is not real life. You're seeing a sliver of someone's image that's probably been shaped, filtered, and packaged in a way that to create an image or an impression of their life. And then their real life might be totally different or they have problems or or different challenges. So I wish people you know understood the realities of social media and the risks of it, especially when you're engaging on it, because then you could create a PR crisis for yourself. Do you have an anecdote that you can share with us that someone who needed to manage themselves after a social media crisis of sorts? Yeah. So I have a, a, I have a client, you know, totally well-intentioned and she worked in the, in the diversity, equity and inclusion space. And she made a comment to one of her colleagues and she did not intend to offend or, you know, she, she's, a, you know, she's a DEI professional in diversity, equity, inclusion. But the comment that she made to one of her colleagues didn't resonate well. And then that created basically an incident where that person reported it to human resources and then it became an issue. And it didn't stop there because it led to an investigation. You know, this person worked in a professional setting. So when something happens, the next step for HR is for HR to investigate to see if a policy has been violated, what happened, how to address the issue. And eventually that the person that was impacted um, by the issue put it out on social media. And then that 
caused the issue to escalate to the point where, you know, this person actually lost her job. She had a viral video out there. Here she's someone as part of her work wanted to make the world a better place and create more opportunities for more people. And she actually actually built up her brand in that particular space. But in an instant, just because there was a misunderstanding off camera, it became an issue on camera and she became, it appeared on social media that she was something that she wasn't. Mm. Her personal brand was just ruined in seconds. The cost of that is, of course, whatever happened there, that acute incident. But all that does is make people too scared to have important conversations because the risks feel so high. It's, well, yes, it's true. I think there are different ways to address it. And, you know, sometimes when you're in the moment, you don't know or you don't know if something landed the wrong way. You know, there are mean people out there that do things intentionally. But if you accidentally say something that lands the wrong way, you're trying to be funny or you had too many cocktails or or maybe you've never been exposed to people from other cultures and you say something stupid and it landed the wrong way. Well, one of the best ways to address that is to pull that person aside and say, even if even if you weren't, you know, you weren't wrong. I'm sorry. I think I might have said something that may have offended you and deal with people one on one. The power of human connection, the power of a one on one, the power of empathy is, I think, such a force. And it pains me when people choose outrage over connection. And they're fed more by the outrage than by connection. You know, I ranted on the last episode about how I hate these reality TV shows where women just argue with each other <laughs> because I think it's more harmful than we than we would allow. You know, we call it entertainment, but the truth is they're inputs. They are inputs the same way what you eat is an input. And when culturally we start valuing outrage over connection, we're in trouble. And I also, I too share your hopeful point of view. I know that you are an optimist and I too hold the same hope because the power is when people actually do choose connection or they make that effort one-on-one. And there's just, there's nothing like it. I'm sure you have witnessed that in your own experiences. Yes, I have. You know, we also have to keep in mind that we are all human beings. We are all flawed in all kinds of ways. So there's no one that's perfect. I think the, the one thing that any individual needs to understand is that we have blind, blind spots, right? You know, we have biases we, that, that are based on our experiences. Everyone comes to the table with a bias. So one is understanding that everyone has a bias and that you might be missing things because your upbringing might be different, your experiences are different than your colleagues or others. So it's always just helpful to, one, understand that you do have a blind side and to do 360s, like in a, in a professional setting, to do 360s in the workplace, especially if you are an executive or a leader. Sometimes you, you can do that with an executive coach. Sometimes your um, employer will provide a coach that could do that or an objective person. That's helpful. It's also helpful to do check-ins with people of all levels of your organization so that you can have conversations and develop one-on-one relationships with people you work with. You get to understand them better. You might have a totally different impression or experience with someone dealing with them one-on-one. 
What would you counsel someone who went through something like this woman did and and lost so much and it was very public and put on social media by someone else? What would you actually counsel someone to do in that situation? And I'll tell you why I'm asking. Other people might not have that experience, but they might have something similar to that net result. They might have something that went down and it might be with their HOA or their their kids' middle school, but there might be something that kind of goes down, is twisted or taken out of context in some way, and is also unfortunately made public in some way. And public might be just your community. It might be just the neighbors. It might be just the school or your job, Dury, but what would someone do next if they fell prey to a situation like that? For any individual, because I've had several clients have experienced this, especially in the DEI space where there are high sensitivities and things could be politicized very quickly or used to advance agendas. But in a case where someone is being villainized on social media, speed is critical, right? You can't hide in the sand uh, and see something escalate. So one, you want to monitor your, your social media because you can actually nip certain issues in the bud. Number two is, you know, apologize, like understand the issue. Like I made a mistake. In some situations, you might know the person that posted something uh, and have a side conversation to see if the post could be taken down. It's actually the approach that organizations, professional organizations take. So, you know, we all, you know, if you're travel and you have an issue with an airline and you post something on social media, the first thing the airline's going to try to do is get you off of social media. They're going to reach out to you and they want you to, you know, communicate through a DM and they want to mitigate the issue. How can we resolve this? How can we make it better? So you have to do the same thing personally. You have to understand, you know, where, where was the misstep? How can I make this better? I want to rectify this. So you really want to understand how that other person felt and address it and take measures to make it better as quickly as you can. I had an incident that I don't think can be considered a crisis by anyone other than myself, Jory. <laughs> Someone took my work because I have, I obviously have this platform and this business, but I also have a corporate consulting business and that's blazers and briefcases, right? And it's quite different. And so someone pulled my professional headshot, one that was only located in one place, and they used it for their Twitter profile photo. Okay. And then they started tweeting vile, vile tweets. And some of them were nasty and witty. And one of them went viral. So this thing I would never say in my life went viral with my face on it. And not my name. They weren't they weren't pretending to be me. They just were using my photo. So they were not using my name, but they were using a, a handle. So it didn't look like a name. It looked like me using a handle on Twitter saying very viral things. And I was working with a client and the CIO, the, the head of IT contacted me and he was like, um, do you have an internet presence? And I was like, oh, crap, they found out about the podcast. This is so embarrassing because at the time I was like keeping things very, very separate. And so I'm like, yeah, I don't like to talk about it that much. Like I try not to mix my two worlds. So he is thinking of this viral, vile person. And I'm thinking of the On Air with Ella platform. So we are we are speaking at cross purposes here. So he saw the viral tweet with my face on it. 
and thought that I was using this handle online. Uh, So this was my own little tiny personal PR crisis. And I could do very little about it because the person on Twitter who was using my photo, I communicated with that person via DM and they immediately blocked me. So then what happened was this person was of one political faction. And so everyone on the other side, because this tweet went viral, a bunch of people on the other side came out and just like started tearing this, this, I'll say her, we don't know. It could have been an 11 year old boy. We don't know. Let's call her her. So started tearing her down. And what do they insult about women online? You know, if they have very little information, they're just going to attack her looks. That's true. (laughs) So Twitter goes nuts. And they're like finding, they're doing reverse Google image. And then they're finding a bunch of photos of me. So I am being ripped apart on Twitter, my face anyway. And the person who's using my picture blocks me. So I start reaching out to these psychos on Twitter who are equally as psychotic as this person was. So I start communicating with the attackers one at a time. And I'm like, hey, my name's Ella. She's using my photo, but your tweet's really about my face. So if you could reconsider. And do you know, every single one that I saw took their tweet down. Every single one that I DM'd one-on-one without, without outrage. I mean, yes, it hurt my feelings, but without outrage, every single person I contacted on, on Twitter, the cesspool of humanity, every single one of them took their mean tweet down. I think that's like kind of remarkable. That is remarkable. And that shows, you know, you're dealing with human beings and people get caught up in social media, but you brought up a really important point. And I think it's the biggest risk with anyone that has a social media account. Uh, Because if you don't know what's going on with your accounts, then there are a lot of people out there hacking accounts and then taking your images and then putting them out there. So you might get like a friend request from someone you're already connected with. And it seems like, why would they send me two friend requests? Well, they didn't send you two friend requests. Someone taking their images and posing as that person, some negative reason. Um, That could easily happen with anyone that's putting out their pictures on social media. Think before you post. That's PR number one for any individual. Think before you post. The internet is forever. It is. The internet's forever. And that includes people that put out p- pictures of the children, put out pictures of their friends without their permission. So you really have to monitor because there are a lot of people out there with different agendas, um, unfortunately. Um, and you just really have to be judicious with your personal brand when you're using social media platforms. Completely out of left field. But do you have an opinion? I, people who put their kids all over social media make me nervous. Am I being a grandma? No, I don't think so. Because now um, there was actually an article either in Wall Street Journal or New York Times about kids that, you know, that now that they're older, and they are dealing with the repercussions of their parents actions, putting all their stuff out there every moment, like some people just don't have a filter, they put all their health moments out there, right? That's protected information. And they're putting everything, every little detail out on social media. I don't know why. Um, Maybe, you know, there's an interest in, uh, you know, a certain health issue to help other people. But I think you really have to think before you post. Because when you do that, then it allows people that use platforms improperly 
to take the information and then it's, there's a marketplace for it. So doing that to children actually could cause them harm in the long run, you know, if you can't undo it. Yeah. And I, I will only throw out this problem, but then I'll find an article that speaks to the solution. But I believe a lot of photos, it's very easy to get their geotags. And so you can actually pinpoint precise locations as to where people are. By the way, I apologize to grandmas. That was an offhand comment. I love you. So I'll, I'll link to an article about that, but that would be pause for thought for me. I'm so glad I didn't have to worry about all of that. I kind of really missed the window, Dury. But one thing I did want to mention before we move on is something that I recommend to people, and I'm still surprised that this is surprising to some, is if they are looking for a job, and this will help us segue actually into our second topic, but if they are looking for a job, if they're considering a new job in the same industry, it does not matter. If they are putting themselves up as a candidate for literally anything, then they need to do their own social media audit, Dari. And that includes not what have you posted, of course it includes that, but what have you been tagged in? Because that's a different button and it's a different screen and you need to click on it. Can you elaborate on that at all? Yes. And it's, it's, it's critical because you think that you're presenting yourself to an employer using your resume when the employer is actually looking at social media and then other platforms to determine who who are you. If you've um, been able to move past the AI screening that takes place now, when you submit your resume and you know you have all the right keywords and the, and the right qualifications, you don't want to lose an opportunity because you don't know what's going on in terms of your your social media presence. You also have to keep in mind that like certain posts that you might put up might garner comments. So you're attached to those comments as well to basically create your personal brand. So your personal brand is not just tied to your resume or your LinkedIn account. It's actually tied to any activity, whether you are on the clock or off the clock. If you don't want to lose an opportunity, at least, you know, conduct an audit, clean things up before, you know, you take a certain step, but also, you know, keep in mind that you can rebrand yourself, right? You might want to be in a particular space. You might be moving from one profession to another, and that creates an opportunity to reshape your brand. And this provides an opportunity for you to conduct an assessment, right? Uh, Determine your North Star. Where do I want to go? What do I want to be when I grow up? So take the steps to conduct an audit and shape your personal brand um, so that you can present your best self to the world. This is such an enriching conversation, and we haven't even scratched on the reason I reached out to you in the first place. But the wonderful news about this is we're going to share some tactics about exactly how to do just that, Dury. So when we spoke, you said, I have actually like a five pillar action plan that I share with people, a framework that you share with people who are in fact trying to start a new chapter or career transition, or even just, I I think you can reinvent yourself. I also think you can reinvigorate yourself, even if there's no big change uh, happening. So if you want to examine your personal brand in order to enhance your professional one, it's all on the table here. So Doree, I want to walk through your five pillar plan for people who are hoping to reinvigorate or reinvent themselves in maybe say the second half of their career. Good with you? Yes. And it's never too late. So this five pillar plan works for you, whether you are 20 
or 90. It's never too late to recreate yourself, to pivot and move in a, in a new direction. So step number one is knowing your North Star. What's your North Star? What do you stand for? Who are you? Um, and that may change as you evolve in life and as, as you grow. Look at your values, your capabilities, and your expertise. And understand your North Star and what direction you want to go in as far as a pivot. I think it's so important that when you talk about determining your North Star, that you're not just talking about your skills and your expertise and your capabilities, but you're saying, what are your values? I'm, I'm specifically speaking to people in second half career transition. A lot of people, Dari, got their jobs and started their careers or whatever they did. And maybe that career was motherhood. Whatever your career was was not always based on your values. It was based on circumstance. So I just had someone on the show who was worked in accounting because she thought that that is what she would be good at. She was good at it. But when you're 20, very few people are asking you, what are your values that you want your capabilities and expertise to align with? So what do you say to the 40-year-old who's like, I am trying to establish my North Star objectives how do I determine what my own values are? What would you say to them? I think you really have to look inward and look at your past experiences and actually look at how you feel. When something moves against the grain of what you stand for, you feel it inside. When it doesn't feel right, I think you have to be authentic and really understand yourself. And sometimes you just need to be still and look inward. It was a long time, Dari, before I asked myself, is how I spend a huge amount of my energy aligned with my values. Like that question never even occurred to me to ask. And I consider it an enormous privilege that I can even factor that into my thinking now. And sometimes we don't even have that opportunity initially, right? You know, you jump into a profession, um, you start a family, you might have to put your passions aside. So there's always time to, you know, step back and then determine what's mean meaningful to me, not just professionally, but personally. Um, so you really have to see what's in alignment with your purpose, your superpower, and what you stand for. Okay, what is step number two? So step number two in the five pillar plan is conducting a 360 assessment. There are professional assessments you can conduct, like you can work with a professional executive coach, but you could also get feedback from people outside of your circle. You want objective information. You want to find out more about your strengths and weaknesses. You don't just want to go to your parents or just receive information from your echo chamber, basically your friends who are just going to tell you what you want to hear. So you want to find out like, where are my gaps? But you can have people review your resume. You can can talk to people you used to work with. Like, what would you see as my strengths? What what should I work on? Like, ask for feedback. And then don't take it personally. It's hard, really hard to get constructive criticism or constructive feedback, but it can help you immensely because you're, you're just not going to see it. So for those of you who are not familiar, a 360 degree assessment means 360 degrees around you. So that's above you, so to speak, below you, so to speak. And uh, you're at your peer level. And of course, there are professional outlets that do this, Dari, to your point. But I did this very informally. I created a Google form and I think it had three questions on it. And I sent it above, sideways and below in the organizational structure. And I said something along the lines of, what do I do well? 
in your observation? What do I do well? What could I work on for the greatest impact? And shot that email out and told them why. I told them why I was doing this and it's anonymous so they could be candid. And it all sort of collected just in a Google form, nothing fancy. I can even find the three questions and put them in the show notes for this episode. But I just want to encourage people to know that you don't have, it, it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be fancy. You know, a lot of times people might have a different impression of you. You know, they might think that you're just so unapproachable or they think your personality is totally different than actually what it is. So getting that feedback really helps you understand how you show up in the world. You might have a totally different impression of yourself or a blind side, and this will help in your growth. And it will be a game changer, especially if you're trying to move into other areas. Could not agree more. It was a total game changer for me because I actually, I'm one of those weirdos who really likes constructive feedback and I want to keep tweaking the dials. You know, I want to get better and better and better. And so constructive feedback, I'm thirsty for it. It still hurts. (laughs) I'm still a big baby for like 10 seconds. (laughs) It's hard. It's tough to read like, oh, I could do that better. Or I failed in that communication in that regard, of course. But it is so invaluable and and just a fun anecdote. The positive stuff's amazing because people might describe you in a way that you have never thought of yourself. And that was my experience. I still use some of that language in my marketing today because the people that had experienced me in the professional environment gave me words to use that I never would have come up with for myself. Yes. Okay. So the first thing we've done is we've established our North Star. That is our values, our capabilities, our expertise. I call it our unique stack, the things that we can do, the things that we're interested in, the things that we're good at. And then the second thing that we do is we conduct a 360 degree assessment of some kind for gap analysis, for discovering our blind side, et cetera. Now, number three, you say is develop a plan of action. What does that mean? Well, that's where you're intentional, right? It's just not going to happen, right? If you're working from home and I want to jump into a new profession, it's not going to happen on its own. And if you don't set goals to determine where, where am I going, what direction, you can always make changes and pivot and refine. You have to be intentional. You can even write down a timeline. What are the action steps I'm going to take to meet those goals? And you can change them along the way. And then you could also use it as a way to measure your your growth as well. I have an accountability partner, and this is as sophisticated a system as we WhatsApp one another, some of our objectives or actions or commitments that we're making, and then we hold the other one accountable. Like, that's it. You suggested other plans of action and you are speaking my language. I'm going to share some of them. And if you have anything to add about them, let me know. You say, identify emerging trends and join an association. Like, look, what are you interested in? What's on the cusp? Who is actually in the center of it? Who is in the zeitgeist? Can you riff on that with me for a moment? Yes. And that's one of the best ways to build a network and to learn building that peer-to-peer network in a new space. For one thing, there are webinars. You don't even have to leave your house to learn. Uh, You can learn every day, or if you have a family or you're taking care of, of children, joining an association, and there are plenty of them out there. There are formal, you know, professional associations, but there are a lot of different groups um, that you can join and learn and, and partner with other people. And it's a great way to learn about jobs as well. 
So if you're looking at emerging trends, like everyone's talking about AI now, right? You just, you hear about it almost every day. Artificial intelligence, AI is an emerging trend and it's going to create new opportunities. It's also going to create um, changes where certain jobs might go away. And this creates a great opportunity to basically level up your skills. If you are in a space where you think that I might lose my job because of AI, then reinventing yourself, creating new skills, joining an association, being on the cusp of change is exciting. You know, there might be people that might remember when social media first came on the horizon and then it was a specialty. You know, it was a specialty career and now everyone's on it. Everyone's an expert. Well, there are emerging trends now and they are in different professions. And you'll see a lot in, uh, in the technology space, healthcare space. And it, it's, it's the best way to open the door and dip your toe into change. I think it is so clutch to focus on upskilling because a lot of people who, again, are in the second half of their career, you know, they're there now because they're good at what they do. So if you want to change or just grow as a person in your current environment, upskilling and not getting sedentary and super cozy in what you know, but actually looking outside to sharpen the edges, I think is so, so critical. The job that I do in my corporate work, in my consulting work, I look outside of the industries that I work in to see what others are doing that have nothing to do with me and then how I can apply that to my world. So I really, really like the focus on keeping those edges sharp. Okay. Okay. I will try to move a little bit more quickly, but I've got to hear two more things from you on this plan of action subject. And that is you talk about following up with people that you meet. Can you just very quickly share with us some of the best ways to follow up with people that you actually have been able to meet at some of these events and that sort of thing? Yes. Very, very important and great question because when you go to conferences or associations, you meet all these people and then you end up with a bunch of business cards you only recognize. Um, so always follow up, do so promptly, write a note rather than send an email. That's a, a great way to stand out, you know, great way to connect. And most importantly, be authentic, like connect with people when you don't need something or do something for someone else. Mm -hmm. There's nothing worse than being that person that you only hear from when they want something. Instead of treating people like transactions, be authentic and find connections. What's your common ground? And reach out when you don't need something or conduct informational interviews. What's an informational interview? An informational interview is a great way to make a trans transition from one career to another. So let's say that you want to get hired jobs in AI, but you don't know what to do. But you know, maybe you went to a certain school and you see on the website for the place advertising for that position, someone that went to the same school, reach out to that person and ask for an informational interview. You can say, I see your background and we both went to XYZ University. Do you have 15 minutes to um, for a brief call to tell me more about how to break into this particular profession? And you get the best advice and you make a new connection. You might learn about jobs that aren't even posted and you learn about your skill gaps. So best way to get your foot in the door, you know, you just reach out 
to someone on LinkedIn or if you see them on the website and just ask for a meeting. But it's the best way to break into a new uh, profession and it's the best way to start a pivot. You might learn things about something that you thought is glamorous and decide like, oh, that's not really for me. There might be something else. So it's a great learning opportunity. I just implore you not to say, can I please have 15 minutes to pick your brain? Don't say that. (laughs) Just... Just ask for what you need. Tell them exactly what you need. I'm super interested in this and I would love to ask you a few questions about it so that I can learn more. But can we please retire picking your brain? (laughs) Yes, it's not a picking your brain type of opportunity. So value that person's time. Do your homework so that you ask smart questions. Look at job descriptions. Ask about any associations you should join in their particular profession. It's the best way to make a pivot. And the second best way would be to study job descriptions for the area you want to go into and look for your transferable skills. And you want to mirror the language in the job description or post so that it mirrors what the organization or employer might be looking for. And it allows you to ask really good questions. Intentionality and deliberateness and just doing just a modicum of homework can make all the difference in the world. But I'll tell you the one thing that you said that is a standout to me, Dari, and that is to write a thank you note. And sometimes an actual note on paper is actually overkill. There there are times I concede where that is like a bit much, but the power of a written thank you note can be 10x the power of an email in the right environment. But whatever you do for the love, don't skip that step, no matter how you deliver it. Like, I cannot tell you the number of times I've met with someone early career who's like, oh, I just want to pick your brain. I'm interested in consulting or being an entrepreneur or starting a podcast. And we do the coffee thing for 20 minutes. And I share with them because a rising tide lifts all boats, Dari. And then we go our separate ways. And I don't even get I don't even get a thank you. There have been times, I mean, I'm talking about that like it's the majority. It's absolutely not. But but listen to me. I'm obviously still traumatized. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and I feel the same way. I cherish thank you notes. I mean, they really mean a lot, especially for if it comes from a mentee. But, you know, when someone asks you to um, write a reference letter, you know, that takes a lot of time out of your day. Uh, And then nothing you know, I think it's, it's probably, you know, there's, there's just been a loss. There's, there's opportunity to revisit the importance of etiquette and thanking people, you know, for taking the time. I agree. Even when my son was applying for, you know, low paying summer jobs, interim work, I encouraged him to write a thank you note to every single business that he met with. I think that that is a standout action to take. Okay. Could you just overview step four and five to round out our five pillar action plan, Dari? Yes. So step four is executing your plan and looking at those action steps, start leadership, joining an association, writing articles, conducting those informational interviews or coffee meetings that will take you very far. Uh, volunteering is also under step number four, just putting, you know, getting some experience. If you don't have experience is a great way. That's how I actually started out in television. I didn't do a paid uh, internship. I volunteered my time. I actually worked longer than actual full-time employees. So don't be afraid to volunteer. And then um, number five is reviewing your plan, review and refine. So you're going to have to tweak 
and get feedback. There'll be areas for growth opportunities where, you know, you're not just quite there yet. If you've broken into a, a, a new profession, the first thing you should ask when uh, you've given in an assignment, it's like, how did I do? What could I do better next time? That's a great way just to get that constructive feedback and get it in the moment rather than waiting for a review. And you're going to continuously tweak your plan because sometimes you might have one plan of action and the universe has something else in mind. And don't be afraid if things go off course. Don't be afraid of failure. Failure is the best way to learn. And the best leaders out there have failed and they've gotten back up, brushed themselves off, and you just keep going. And that's when you reach out to your resources to get a little bit of encouragement, just keep going. And that's where the goal setting really helps you. Three, I have enjoyed this conversation with you. And I know that you've piqued some interest. Where do you like people to find you? Well, the easiest is, I think, LinkedIn. I'm also an artist. So Dree's Art Gallery uh, is also a great place to find me. So you can find me in a professional realm on LinkedIn, or you could also find me on Instagram. Dree, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at onairwithella or get the show notes and all the links shared today at onairella.com. There's no with, it's just onairella.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing the show and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.